Hi, this is Rick Kua, and you're listening to my good friends, Wild Man and Steve. Keep it right here. You are about to listen to the intersection of faith, talk, and music. The Wild Man and Steve Show starts right now. Welcome again. Here we are. Second episode of the second season of the Up on This Rock with our special guest, Father Chris. Did he ever come out of the green room yet? Father Chris. Oh, that's me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you come out of the green room? I, I was never in a green room. Oh. <laughs> Steve, Steve never showed you where it was, I guess. No. Yeah, the you wild guys have man. a green room? Yeah, yeah, we have a green, green room. room, broom closet, whatever, you know. Huh. Well, just so you know, I relit your pilot light on the furnace while I was in the green room. <laughs> well, I got the special M&Ms just for you, you know, the M&Ms you like, and, you know. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. If, I, if I could have some of them, that would be nice. Where do you keep them? Well, I don't think I don't think we've ever had a show that started at this po- this far down the hill. I mean, I, there's no word. It's already we're at the bottom of the hill and the show just started. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hey, 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 you're talking to people here. We have feelings, Steve. Right. What does that mean? Bottom of the hill. Are you what? Are you saying that about Father Chris? Is that what you're saying? Because he's on the show. I'm saying saying the the three of I'm saying the three of us, the level of of what we're engagement here, the level of the humor. I mean, we are. I don't know. Hey, I I was at Arby's. I just got here. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what he did when he left Arby's? He drove the right way. But we don't want to get into that. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody driving the wrong way from a fast food restaurant. That's just crazy. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Since we since we are recording, we're going to go ahead and get started. And uh, I appreciate both of you joining us. And Father Chris, I do apologize. We've had some issues about getting you back on. But we are grateful and thankful to God that um, this has happened. And I'm glad to be here. I think a once a year recording is a good thing. Well, you know, I feel the same thing about showers. Yeah. Once a year, whether you need it or not. Well, yeah, I'm glad we're out of we're in different states then. <laughs> follow that one up. Follow that one up, Wild Man. Make a segue on that one. <laughs> I, I can't do that because I'm not Mr. Segway. He's the only one that can do that. But you can't segue yourself. But I mean, yeah. Well, I guess it's possible to segue yourself. You Man, could. I, that doesn't sound good at all to say. No, I. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thrilled to be on the Bob and Tom show. It was on my bucket list. Thank you, guys, for having me. Back. <laughs> no, what, what was it the last time? What wasn't it the, uh, uh, the, 
the tame man and Bob or something like that? Well, that was another show I was talking to in between the time it took to record the second episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's had like five contract offers in between. And yeah, so, so anyway, so we'll go ahead and get started tonight. Um, looking at the book of common prayer for today. Um, and as we go through this, father, Chris, if you would be so kind, since you're the one that is the expert on this, um, if you would be so kind to explain to us what some of these segments mean. And, um, so we're looking at the daily, um, readings, um, this daily office. Yes. The daily office. Correct. Prayer is our duty. Correct. Okay, so it's the, yeah, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Well, Father Chris, first of all, uh, the opening sentence, uh, from the Anglican Orthodox perspective, how does that work? Is that something that people just use in their private devotions? Is that what you're reading to the congregation um, or both? Well, the daily office is done uh, either as a group or it's, or it's done on your own. And so uh, a lot of churches will have this as a possibility for their parishioners to come by in the evenings, the mornings, or at noontime, or uh, even sometimes at night. That's called the Compline. Uh There are four of these offices for a 24-hour period. And so these offices can be done in a church as a group, as a prayer service, or they can be done on your own and serve as your devotional times throughout the day to keep you in a rhythm of daily prayer. Okay. And, uh, and the whole purpose of this is to keep us from praying our hobby horses or uh, just going over the same things every day that we want. So it's, it's meant to give us a more monastic mind of prayer and pray beyond self and pray in tune with the, with the body of Christ more so than just praying the things that I want all the time, if that makes sense. So an opening sentence is done by the minister, the deacon, the priest, the minister, the lay leader, whoever is leading the prayer service, or if you're by yourself, of course, it's just an opening sentence. Think of it as a spiritual icebreaker, something to, to get your mind uh, snapped into the rhythm of prayer. And that's what, you know, in, in the evening office night, the first thing that out of the shoot, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a frame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the frame for the rest of it. Sure. Yeah. Now, I want to, I want to jump in there because I, I completely disagree with the perspective I'm about to, to bring out, but I want to know your reaction to this perspective. Yeah. There's a lot of people who will say, well, this set prayer and the hours and all this kind of stuff, that's so stifling. And I want to be just moved by the Spirit, right? I just want to pray by the Spirit. I don't want anybody telling me how to pray or reading from some book or some sort of thing. And I realize I'm, I'm kind of caricaturing that a, bit, a little bit because I so strongly disagree with that. But what would, how would you respond to somebody who comes to you and says that? So, well, I, I didn't grow up with this tradition. This feels very artificial to me. Sure. It doesn't I, feel authentic to me. I would say a few things. Uh, one, in all, in all gentleness, and I try to say this gently. Most of the time, uh, that kind of a statement just comes from a person who's never been exposed to something deeper than their own mind. Yeah. And, uh, and on the back end of that, I would say 
that a lot of times that comes from a person who doesn't want to be disciplined, who doesn't want to discipline their life and be taught anything. And so uh, not that, you know, not that the church has anybody in it that doesn't want to be taught anything, but um, that's, that's what I would say is I would say if, if, if you're saying that, because this is first Corinthians 15, so if you're saying that, you're saying that about the Word of God. And what you've just said is there's no point for you to read the Word of God. You might as well create the Word of God yourself. Right, yeah. Because that's what you're going to find in the prayers, is this is the Word of God set to the rhythm of prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I and, love and it. Okay, let's go to the phones. Caller, are you there? Yes, this is Vincent Bonnefront. Um, okay. Yes, yes, my good man. I, I found my way today to goodamusic.com. Uh, yes, yes, great company. Yes, 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 I know that. Uh, they do find exemplary ways of touting their commodity. Sure, um, I think... Anyhow, I was just contemplating. I had thought today. Okay, go ahead. Well, in the old days, people used to laugh at those who still had vinyl records. Right. And now vinyl is coming back. I see from looking at this site. Yeah, vinyl is lately making a strong comeback. Well, I was just thinking... Yes, Vincent. Uh, what were you thinking? Well, I, I was just thinking. <laughs> My, have the tables turned. Oh, my. Do you see what I did there? Vinyl, tables, turn, tables. <laughs> too, too troll. <laughs> Enjoy the return of vinyl with Resband's faithfully restored classics and disciple the very first time on vinyl. Go to girdermusic.com today and don't forget to use the code WILDMANANDSTEVE for 10% off your entire order. Go there today. You see, my good man, it's, it's a play on words. You know, vinyl records play on turntables and... Yeah, yes, yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah, th- th- thank you for calling, Vincent. <laughs> it's just too much. <laughs> yeah, yes, th- thank you, thank you. That, that, that kind of goes with what you know, Steve and I were chatting um, before you finally joined us, Father Chris. Um, but we were, we were chatting and... Uh, um, uh, talking about boundaries, talking about different things that, you know, different directions the church is going as far as the requirements or what was accepted before and what's accepted now and that type of thing. And it's important that, 
understanding that there is authentic to be authentic and serving Christ. But at the same time, there there does have to be boundaries. And that's what I'm hearing here is the idea of boundaries, even in our prayer life. Because one of the things that um, is concerning is that in most of the evangelical church, evangelical, I'm just focusing on just that, um, is the idea that prayer is by the Holy Spirit. I only pray according to that. It's just between me and God. I just pray. And I'm not even guided in my prayers where scripture pretty much teaches that even our prayer, I mean, every word, the fault and word is taken captive. So where we get the idea of prayer being something, it it does kind of lean towards that selfish side of things as you're saying. Well, I would add too, that there is nothing wrong with extemporaneous prayers. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's not what any of us are saying, that no one can pray extemporaneously. In fact, we should. We do have those spontaneous moments where we pray from our heart. And if you examine the daily office, there is always a space for that at what's called the intercessions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is a way there at the intercessions to pray extemporaneously, to add the, 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 the power of the heart and the leading of the spirit within the framework. And I always say that when it comes to liturgy in general, liturgy is the bones. It's up to us to breathe life into the bones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that, and <clears throat> I'm going to be very specific about the United States culture and, and, and then things that we have been exported, to be honest, around the world. Uh, but there is something in our DNA. I mean, you look at our, our, our historical heritage. We were born out of rebellion. And the do-it-yourself, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, the individualistic strand is so deep within us as a people that we don't think of ourselves as a people. And we really don't think of ourselves in terms of the body of Christ. There may be a local church that I go to, but quite frankly, it's no different from any other club or country club or organization. The idea of praying in unity and in unison with the body of Christ, not only around the world, but also across time, don't you? it really seems very antithetical to the the American individualistic spirit, don't you think? Well, I I would add to that uh, that most people, when they think of the church, they don't have an understanding of the church militant and the church victorious still being in the same church. Mm. Uh, So we only tend to think of the church as my local meeting house. We don't think of the, the church being all who have served Christ, who have ever lived, are living now or whoever will live. We don't, we don't, we, we don't think about that. We don't think that the saints in heaven are alive still. They're not actually dead and that they're still involved in the life of the church. They're just in the church victorious while we remain on the other side of the veil in the church military. And so even in that, to, 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 to accentuate your point, even in that, when we come to pray, we don't typically as Americans think that when it's time for me to pray, I'm not only just praying with a church, with the church, with all of God's family, but uh, we don't even have the mind to think that I am also surrounded by angels and archangels and all the company of heaven when I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. 
So yeah, it's absolutely. a small concept of church. It's not really a kingdom concept. It's a it's it's a church meeting house concept. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I kind of sense that, you know, when we have communion um, or if you follow a lectionary or even just part of the lectionary just to do prayers, um, how I, I think about how many churches are praying that same prayer at the same time and how that, that brings consistency to uh, across the board. It kind of brings us together. Um, when, when a congregation recites a prayer together, it kind of brings unity, it uh, you know, that type of thing. Um, and so, yeah, it's, there, there's, there's definitely, as you say, there's definitely a place for both. Uh, but I think that uh, where, what we're getting at is that the extreme has um, kind of gone that one direction. And so we're trying to bring back to some type of a, a form or some type of structure or some type of a, of a boundary, um, even regarding our prayers. Um, but as we move down through we probably will only get to this next section. And this next section is very intriguing to me as I've read this several times and I've read it before on a different days, but the, uh, the confessing of sins. Um, so the next statement, they have the confession of sins. Let us com- uh, humbly confess our sins to almighty God. Um, just reflect upon that concept alone. What do you guys think about that statement? Let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Well, uh, if I could, I would say that in, in the ancient community of the church, no one is under the delusion that we are perfect. That's why this is there. Um, it, it is a reality check. And, and it's a reality check to when I come to it as a prayer, and I'm confronted with the confession, it actually probes me to remind me of what I am doing or not doing. And Mm. that's really important. Uh, That way I'm not judging my Christianity by the fellow next to me or the sister across the aisle. I'm judging my Christianity in the face of Christ. And when I do that, when I look at Christ as my mirror, it reflects to me the things that are still out of sync in my own life. And that's what this does. This is a reality check. This helps to help me to become humble and have a repentant heart, which we know that the Lord receives a humble and repentant heart. And Mm -hmm. that also is a framework for the rest of the prayer. I mean, look look at what it says. Okay. So it says almighty and most merciful father, true or untrue. True, right? Correct. Absolutely. We have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. True or untrue? Mm, true. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. True or untrue? Right? Mm-hmm. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. True or untrue? True. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent according to your promises. Declare to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. 
I don't care what denominational silo you belong to, this is true. Mm-hmm. And Sam. Yeah. Okay. I want to throw a couple things out on this. One, if you really believe this, then this is as embarrassing as all get out. Uh, especially if you're praying it with other people. Uh, I, I don't know that you ever feel quite so naked as when you're praying uh, because you're exposed before God. And, and if you really believe this, there is, there is a certain really an embarrassment. I am a sinner. I have done these things. I have not done these things I ought to have done. And, and, and so, yeah, I'd much rather just pray, like you said, you got my, my, my hobby horse stuff. I'd rather just, you know, give God my laundry list of requests, hang up the phone, and go on about my day. This, there, there, there's some embarrassing things. But the other aspect is, you said, you know, true or untrue. Okay. But there's a lot of stuff that's true that, quite frankly, has no practical relevance in my life. It is true that the sun... The earth revolves around the sun. That has no practical relevance in my mind. In fact, I still use outdated language. I talk about the sun rise and the sun set, even though cognitively I know the sun isn't moving. We know this now. Scientists, earth is revolving around the sun. But that has no practical relevance in my life. And people, I think, you can sit there and say this, but in honesty in your heart, well, I'm really not that bad. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really not a sinner. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm actually pretty good, but I'm going to go ahead and say this because it's what we're doing. So I, this is challenging stuff. Mm-hmm. It is really challenging stuff. Because I, and again, I, I, we've talked before, but you know, there, there is a practical atheism uh, or, or, or maybe at best a practical agnosticism, I think, in so many of our churches where we pay lip service. Yes, yes, right. Mm-hmm, Jesus, right. Forgive. Got it. Mm-hmm, all good. All good. You know. But it has no more real relevance to our lives than, than whether the earth revolves around the sun or vice versa. It doesn't. I don't think we really own the truth of the fact. Yes, I am a sinner. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to screw it up again tomorrow. And I am desperately in need of the grace of Christ at Calvary. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think that it all it has to do with the idea that uh, when we're in the presence of God, you know, in this manner, I mean, we're always in the presence, but when we're in the presence of God and approach him this way, um, it's uncomfortable, it's convicting because all of a sudden we realize, hey, he he's Christ, this is how holy he is, and here's how holy I am. Yeah. And, and, you're, and, and nobody can measure up to that. But I have two thoughts that come to my mind about this prayer. The first one is, is that it's very, it's a very prophetic prayer with a second line, because I had no idea that they knew people were going to have issues with devices and the iPhones and the iPad. <laughs> we follow too much the devices and desires of our own well, heart. I, I think God has a sense of humor. He's doing something with that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we did say this is a show of prophecy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But the other thought that I had with this, because I struggle personally, I do struggle with this idea because it's difficult for me at times to understand sin from the present tense and the future tense. 
And what that means is I don't like the idea of, well, I'm a sinner and I'm going to sin. And tomorrow I'm still going to sin, even though I know the sin that I'm doing is wrong, I'm still going to do it. Now, of course, we're talking about the sins of rebellion. There's different, you know, sin of ignorance, sin of rebellion. But I've heard that so much in the church that it's really frustrated me to the point that some would look at a prayer like this and even recite a prayer like this and go away from it saying, well, that's all I have to do. I confessed. I can, mm. I can, I can continue to live in my debauchery, you know, or whatever. But the final phrase is really what sticks out in my mind. He says, and grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. That the purpose is to realize where we are, realize what our need is, but at the same time, having the goal of, but God, we want to live the way you desire us to live and show us how to do that. Well, that's Paul, isn't it? Right. I mean, you know, what, what, sin all the more that grace may abound. No, no, we're not saying that. Right. So, I mean, he, he, he addressed that, um, you know, and he, again, you know, who's going to rescue me from this body of death? Well, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Um, so you, you're right. I, I, I think that's right. When you when you agree, Father, I mean, this isn't a magic talisman. In that, I, I say the magic words, I rub the the genie's lamp, all good. It, it doesn't work like that. It is the same concept that I've heard a lot of great Protestant preachers say in the baptism font. You can go into the water a dry, unsaved sinner and come out of the water a wet, unsaved sinner. Mm. You can enter a time of confession and prayer sincerely, or you can enter into it in just words. But when faith and sincerity are applied to the bones of ancient liturgy, truth and sound doctrine, shine for right mm. so you don't you don't look at anything in this nature as a license or as a permission to go against god and the reason i'm saying that is because there are many who've used it that way and who've had that warped a warped understanding of what this means and not only that, I would add here that one of the reasons that this is so important today is the idea has been lost that as a Christian at baptism, I have committed to live my life in community with the body. So this is not just an admission to God of my sins, because he already knows them. It's a matter of not whether I will be honest and fess up. The other thing is that it is a reminder to myself not to live a delusional life where I think more of myself than I should. Uh, mm -hmm. But it is also that peripheral look that I am mm -hmm. in covenant and in communion with those who stand around me. And they have the right to expect honesty from me about my life and behavior. And that's why we do it together. And, and I would say this because I don't know if you know, Steve's got a book out or something. I heard something about that. 
<laughs> somewhere. Hey, it, it's something for fools, something like that. I don't know. Something. Is this a good idea to interject the statement, Lex Aronde, Lex Credenti? Amen. As, as they, they say, as the church believes, so she prays. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And so the, one of the key purposes of this kind of prayer life yep. is to pray and believe right teaching and to do it in community with others. And that requires transparency and honesty and accountability. If people, if people understood that phrase, honestly, I think if you really grasp that phrase, that expression, that would scare the living daylights, I think, out of a lot of churches because you would suddenly realize, oh, what does this really say? What do my practices and my prayer life? So what does that really say about what I believe? Um, and, and I'm going to ask, you know, I'm going to pull the, the pin on the holy hand grenade of Antioch, um, throwing in a little Monty Python there for us. Um, would you think, and I, I would ask both of you guys, because both you, you, you come from different uh, ecclesial traditions, but would you think that more liturgical, if you will, higher church in terms of, of its ecclesial practices, uh, that those sorts of churches and communities get the community aspect of the faith, they get that better than maybe the more broadly evangelical, especially the American evangelical, uh, independent Christian church kind of movement. Do you think that's true or, or not? I think it's a nat for me, Steve. I think it's a natural result of of liturgy, because the liturgy does not allow a selfish, uh, singular Christianity. It is. Uh, it forces us into the community of the body of Christ, and so uh, it's not just me and Jesus ever. It's we and Jesus. Have you ever wondered So the first date that I went on with the woman who'd become my wife, we went out to see at the movie theater um, the film Lean on Me, which starred Morgan Freeman as this uh, really tough as nails high school principal based on a true story, Patterson, New Jersey. Um, and he was going to turn this, this school around. And at one point, his character in the movie says, discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm. And his point in the movie was you, you can't learn in an environment where kids are just running amok and there's drugs and violence. And so you, you can't learn. You've got to have some discipline, but that doesn't mean you can't have the enthusiasm of learning. And I would argue that that's exactly what you're saying here as well. And again, as you said earlier about extemporaneous prayer, nobody's saying you can't pray extemporaneously. Nobody's saying you can't even do it in the context uh, of something like the, the Book of Common Prayer. Discipline, the structure 
does not have to be the enemy of enthusiasm. This can be a very life-giving thing if done right. If you're allowing really the, the living word of God to live, then you, you shouldn't have to worry about this being dull or dry or stifling or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. I agree. You, you approach liturgy with the same exuberance you approach the Bible. If you approach the Bible from a haphazard uh, kind of feeling, uh, you're going to see words on a page. But if you approach it with sincerity and openness and a desire to receive, you will receive. And it's the same way with, uh, with the liturgy of prayer or the liturgy of, of, of a worship service, because I, I, keep, I, I say this over and over, it is the word, you know, it is the word. How much of what we read is taken right the pages of the Bible. And, mm -hmm. and I would add this yeah. little caveat because this is so easily overlooked, and that is the posture. When it comes time for this confession of sin, silence is kept, all kneeling. Mm -hmm. That's a posture. Yeah. And so there's an, there's an emphasis. There's a little just saying from Kentucky where I'm from, there was emphasis on that. <laughs> and then when it is time to hear the good news, and that's the thing I love about the Lord, you know, it, it gets real serious sometimes, but he always has good news. And, and that's when the people will, will hear good news and then all arise from this position of humbleness and repentance. Well, we're, we're all rock and roll guys here. And so just to bring in a, a piece of music, and every, you two guys, I'm sure, will, will know the song. But Rich Mullins' song, Creed, which is basically the lyrics are just, just the Apostles' Creed. Uh, but the verse I like about that, or I think it's actually the chorus, he says, uh, I believe what I believe is what makes me who I am. And then he says, I did not make it, but it is making me. It is the truth of God and not the invention of any man. And same thing with the creeds. You can go through and people, well, I don't want any of those man-made creeds. That's nonsense. You can go through and you can footnote every half line, every phrase or clause. You can footnote, and here's where it comes from Scripture. Here's where it comes from Scripture. Exactly what you were saying about what um, you just read at the beginning of the podcast. You can go through there and you can find the Scripture to back all that up. So, so no, no, that, that, that argument falls flat to say, well, that's just some invention of, of human beings. And, you know, I want to get back to some sort of pure, original uh, tech. No, no, that is scripture. Just like you said, it's, it's scripture through prayer. week, the dynamic duo returns. Next week, join us for the exciting conclusion of Upon This Rock with Wild Man and Steve and Father Chris from Cool Hip Priest. The Wild Man and Steve show is now partnering with New Release Today. Find out more about them at newreleasetoday.com. And don't forget to check out our website, where you can also leave us a review at wildmanandsteve.com.
Sounds like rock and roll to me.